I started this last week, and I'm going to continue it today. It's time to look through the ordinary and witness the supernatural. You know why? We've got to get out of our comfort zone because the enemy's trying to take our vision from us. And conformity starts with comfortability. When we become comfortable, we start conforming. We no longer see things the way that God wants us to see them. And lukewarmness makes God nauseated. Pastor, you just being you being just up front today. No, I'm not being, I'm being biblical. He said, I'd rather you be hot or cold. Going, going through the motions. Being comfortable makes him nauseous. Now I don't have time to go back and cover everything that I talked about last week. So please, if you get a chance, go back to our app or our website and catch up on what we spoke on last week. But we talked about the spiritual realm. Scripture teaches us that there are spiritual battles taking place all around us right now. We live in two atmospheres at the same time. One is physical. You can see, smell, hear, touch, and taste. The other is a spiritual atmosphere. We cannot see it with the natural eye or experience it with the rest of our natural senses. At times we can. Most of the time we cannot. But it's very real. And it's vital that we understand more about the spiritual than we do just the physical. Hey, you want to get physically, physically fit in 2022? I'm with you. Go for it. You want to eat healthy? Go for it. You want to set you some goals? You want to become organized and put life together? Hey, that's amazing. But the number one goal on our list needs to be to know him greater. To be spiritually minded. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4 again today and read the words of Apostle Paul. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting at verse 16. For which, we, for which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. You know what Paul was saying? He said, my physical body's worn out. My emotions have been frayed and worn. But Paul said, every day I get up, I still feel renewed and rejuvenated. And he goes on to say, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look at the things which are seen, we see all of it. I see everything going on in our world right now. People thought 2021 was going to be better than 2020. Was it though? Preacher 2022 is going to be great. It is going to be great. But even if, if the world continues to go the direction it's going, we can't just look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal. They're going to fade away. One day they're not going to be here. 401K, retirement, all of that's going to be gone. My house, my vehicle is going to be gone. They're temporal. But the things which are not seen are 
eternal. My focus has to change today in 2022. My mindset has to shift. I studied at home yesterday and I finished this thought. And my wife texted me this morning. She's like, look, I don't know what you're preaching today. But you stirred up the spirit realm. She said, I had to get up and pray and fast last night, which she started her fast a little bit early. She said, I, I had to get ready for this morning. But she said, I had to get up and pray and battle because I feel like, I feel like the enemy is stirred up because I want to change our perspective today. I don't want us to see through natural eyes. I want us to see through spiritual eyes at what God is getting ready to do. If you've been losing battles today, you're going to leave here victorious. Anybody believe that in Jesus' name? I don't know how far I'll get today, but I'll give you what God has laid on my heart. And then next week we'll continue in this vein. So I want to preach to you a little while today. See through the ordinary. See through the ordinary. Dear Heavenly Father, I need you today. I need your anointing. God, I need your, your power. Help me to speak with the unction you want spoken with. God, help me to use your word, not mine, but yours. God, help me to lay the foundation for what you want to do in 2022. God, we're getting ready to go into a month of prayer and fasting, and I believe you want to bring revelation. I believe you want to manifest your presence in a mighty way among us. Help us to tap into your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody shout amen. 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 One more time, give the Lord a hand clap, and you may be seated. In 1995, Alvaro Pascal Leon did a study validating the importance of visual, visualization. A group of volunteers practiced a five-finger uh, piano exercise while neurotransmitters monitored their brain activity. And as expected, neuroimaging revealed that the motor cortex was active while practicing the exercise. Their mind was active while they practiced on that piano. Then researchers wanted to test another theory, so they told the participants to rehearse the piano exercise in their minds mentally. They said, don't touch the piano with your hands. Just mentally imagine that you were playing the keys on the piano. And they found that the motor cortex was just as active while mentally rehearsing as it was during their physical practice. Researchers concluded that imagined movements trigger synoptic changes at the cortical level. And that study confirmed statistically what athletes already knew instinctually. Mental rehearsal is just as important or more important than a physical practice because it's mind over matter and vision starts with visualization. Anybody got a vision in here of what you want God to do? So you know I'm a basketball fanatic and I was thinking about this, this theory and about vision matters and I read a story about a coach by the name of Jim Valvano. It's a picture of him right there. And his North Carolina State basketball team, who went on an incredible winning streak to win the 1983 NCAA championship, were one of the greatest wins over a heavily favored Houston team who had future Hall of Famers on it, like Akeem Olajuwon, Clyde Drexler. It was an underdog story. And they won the championship in an unbelievably dramatic fashion, a layup following an air ball. The guy shot an air ball, and one of the players from North Carolina State grabbed the air ball and put it in the basketball goal to win the championship. How did it happen? 
tell you how it happened because someone had vision. The article said one of the first things that Coach Valvano did when he came to NC from Iona was told the team he had a vision that he was going to win a national championship and that this was the team that was going to accomplish the goal. And he was so committed to the goal that he devoted an entire practice to cutting down the nets, which is a tradition for the winning team. The team would get out a stepladder, grab the scissors, and each player took a turn climbing that ladder to cut down a piece of the net with the coach finally climbing up and cutting down the last thread of the net. And this did not just happen once. The team would regularly have practices where they would cut down the nets. Who does that? The first time the team did it, they said it felt goofy, unreal. But they said the more we did it, the more we believed that we were going to win a championship. The more that we climbed that ladder and cut down that net for a whole practice, the more we believed that we were going to be victorious. The more we believed that it could happen. The more we believed that we might be an underdog to everybody else, but we've got a vision of what our future looks like. Now listen, this was at a time when the ACC League had Michael Jordan in it at North Carolina. Anybody know who Michael Jordan is? And Ralph Sampson at Virginia. Two of the greatest players in ACC history. NC State wasn't even a contender for the league championship, let alone the national championship. But vision will take you to a place. And listen, when they won the championship, that vision became a reality. And Coach Valvana got to put that net around his neck and say, I told you I had a dream. I told you I had a vision. I knew we could do it. Nobody else saw we could. But I knew we could do it. It all started with a simple vision of cutting down the nets. Because when you dream, your mind forms a mental image that becomes both a picture and a map to your destiny. The Australian selling team won the 1983 America's Cup before they even set sail. Three years before the race, the coach made a tape of the Australian team beating the American team. He narrated the race himself with the sound of a sailboat cutting through the water in the background. And every member of the team was required to listen to that tape twice a day for three years. They had to listen to a tape uh, of them being victorious in a race. So by the time they set sail from San Diego Harbor, they had already beaten the American team 2,190 times in their mind. And listen, I know what you're thinking. Pastor, we're we, we not selling and we're not playing basketball. But I tell you what we are doing. We're living by faith. And this theory of having vision isn't just for sports or athletics or a career. The Bible says that you got to have faith in order to move mountains. You've got to be able to see beyond yourself your limitations and your struggles. This theory of visioneering is written in the Bible. Hebrews tells us faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith isn't empty hope or simply a positive confession of something we want to be true. Faith is recognizing something that's already a reality despite the fact we have no visual proof. Faith says it doesn't look good around me, but I see something in my spirit that is getting ready to happen. Vision matters. We live by faith and not by sight. Scripture even says this, without a vision, people will perish when the church becomes visionless 
People will start perishing. But as long as there's a church that's got vision, the opposite as well is true. With the vision, people will prosper. And we will have revival. And God's anointing will be present. And there will be an outpouring of God's spirit. And I've showed up at the river on the Sunday morning to tell someone, go ahead and start visualizing what you want God to do in 2022. Come on, the enemy's done everything in his power to limit your faith, but you got to rise up and say, I've got a faith today that says I'm getting ready to go to a new level. I'm getting ready to see my family saved. I'm getting ready for God to do something powerful in my life. I declared the lost will be saved this year. Well, pastor, put a number on that. I'm not going to put a number on it. I can tell you this, we baptized close to 100 in 2021, and we've seen, we've seen numerous people filled and refilled with the gift of the Holy Spirit. But I've come to let the enemy know I'm not putting a, a limit on it. I'm going to tell you who's going to be saved. I, I'm going to tell you exactly who is, who is a candidate to be saved. It's everybody that we come in contact with. Because we're getting ready to shake heaven and stir up hell with prayer and fasting. I declare that the lost are going to be saved. I declare that prodigals will awaken. I declare that hearts will be mended. Families restored. The sick healed. The bound delivered. And the enemy fleeing in the name that's above every other name. I declare thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because I... I'm getting ready. I don't know about you, but I'm getting ready to pull heaven back to earth again in 2022. And I believe the harvest is going to be greater than we've ever imagined. Hundreds will be baptized and filled with the Spirit. More than that, hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds. I'm not going to put a number on it because I believe that everybody, I'm just going to believe everybody that's lost is going to find salvation. That's, well, Pastor, you overthinking and no, I got to have vision. I, God told me that he's got to have a man to have vision. There's got to be a lady that has vision. I believe we will impact our communities. I believe that Revive will continue. Our Revive Recovery Ministry will continue to pull people out of addiction that are bound. One after another. I believe it. Does anybody have a vision for it? Can you visualize hundreds upon hundreds being in here that used to be bound, but they're no longer bound. Now they're free, redeemed, and serving the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You know what else I declare? We will fully recover from Hurricane Ida in 2022. We will finish phase three of Build My River before I have a nervous breakdown. But I declare not only will we finish phase three of Build My River, we're going to build another building. Come on, we're going to build another building. I declare that one day we'll buy land and have a sober house to help people. So I declare it. I'm speaking it by faith. I believe that this is going to be grounds that people are discipled and sent forth to do something great for God. I believe it. I believe I want to have vision beyond myself. Come on, does anybody, I just believe, I want God to do something in my life and through me this year that's unprecedented. I want it to blow the enemy's mind. I want God to show up and show out. I want my vision to be bigger than my limitations in myself. I want to see God do something. Listen, we will give more to missions. We will push back against culture and not allow what's surrounding us to define our vision. We will cut down the nets. We will sail ahead of the enemy. We will be overcomers. We will have joy unspeakable. We will walk in peace and authority. Depression's got to go. 
Paul said, look, my emotions are worn out, but every day I get up, I feel rejuvenated. It is possible for depression to linger, but the inward man to be renewed day by day by day by day. You know why I'm preaching this? Because I read an article that in 2021, the CDC said one third of Americans were anxious or depressed. And their word of the year, you know what the word of the year was? Languishing. Had to look that up. I said, I don't want to be languishing. Languishing. This is what they went on to say. It's not really mental illness right now. And it's not really mental health like people, people think it is. It's this weird place where we just aren't sure where we're going and what we're doing. And every time we find motivation, every time, listen, guys, I don't want to keep bringing it up, but I'm just going to tell you where I've been. We finished phase one and two, and a month and a half later, Hurricane Ida hit and messed everything up. I'm languishing. Call me a languisher. That's who I am. We had motivation. It was going good. We were getting ready. The day the storm hit, we was getting ready to start the dirt work, to pour the slab, to extend this building 30 feet. And then Hurricane Ida showed up, the Antichrist. And let's be real. Every time we think COVID's over. There's another another variant that pops up. Delta. Omicron. Every time I look around, there's a new political conspiracy. The economy falters. Natural disaster strikes. And it seems like time and time again, we are left with question marks and distractions. And we're left overwhelmed. And we're left defeated. And before long, we're so tired and worn out that we're not able to discern what's happening in the spirit realm. And we don't realize that our, our struggle really isn't in this world, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Listen, there are demonic spirits with different ranks and assignments that exist in the spiritual realm. Do you know what they respond to, though? atmosphere these spirits seek expression of their will into time and space but they cannot accomplish this without somebody providing them the opportunity if they are going to manifest it will happen because somebody allowed it and created an atmosphere for it that's why they're called a host of wickedness you ever hosted a party come to my house Chips and dip, Coke Zeros, all you want. That's what's going on in our world right now. The enemy is causing all this chaos and all this confusion and all this question, all these question marks because he wants us to host him. He wants us to cater to our anxiety, our depression, our fear, our doubt, our insecurity, our question. He wants us to host him. He wants our homes to be so, so, so just dim and gloomy. Why do you think suicide's at, at, at so high right now? It's because we've opened the door and said, come in our homes. 
Bring your darkness with you. Overshadow me and my family and, and, and let us just host depression. And all we talk about is the feelings of what's going on. I'm telling you right now, I get caught up in it. I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching to me. I talk about what's going on in our world, how bad it is, and all this stuff that's going on. And I fail to realize when I do that, I'm giving a host to the enemy. I'm giving a host to him. I'm telling him, hey, look. Hey, look, come on in my house. Destroy my marriage and my family. We're at war today. Hear me today. We're at war and we've got to realize it. But we cannot fight in the spirit realm with our natural ability, education, money, or natural resources. We've got to fight spirit with spirit. Because if we can give a host to the enemy, then we can give a host to God and an angelic army that our homes can be peaceful, our family can be restored, there can be joy. I'm tired of hearing about how bad it is. What about how good God is? What about what he wants to do in our midst? I don't believe it's the will of God in 2022 for us to be beat down every day. I believe it's, it's the will of God for us to have some spiritual energy. Be able to put a smile on our face. Because we're fighting spirit with spirit. For the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So every day I put on the armor of God and I tap into the spirit. That's why Jude tells us, build yourselves up in your most holy faith praying in the spirit because when you get in the spirit and you start praying and rejoicing now let, let, let me counter something right now i don't like that in the pentecostal movement that we've made praying in the spirit and worshiping in the spirit so dark and gloomy turn the lights off get up at the front and do a chant for an hour When we pray in the Holy Ghost, we're not pulling darkness to earth. We're pulling light down to earth. Not only do I want to pray in the Holy Spirit, I want to walk with a smile on my face saying, God, I know what you're getting ready to do. You know what I want to do when I pray in the Spirit? I don't want, I don't want the lights to be off and, and just chanting in the front. I want, I want to pray in the Holy Ghost and I want to prophesy a little bit. God, you look, look at what you look at the enemy. Tell him what you're getting ready to do. I'm getting ready to bring him home. I'm getting ready to take all those bound and set them free. And then I want to lift my hands and say glory be to God. I want to celebrate the weapons of our warfare. I want to celebrate them. I want to put on the armor of God with a smile on my face. I want to be able to pray in the spirit one minute and look at somebody and say, Hey, God's got you the next minute with a smile on my face. We need a flip. In the script of prayer and intercessory prayer and spiritual warfare. I want people to say, my Lord, what is going on in that prayer meeting? I want them, I want them to feel the intensity of it, but I also want to feel the joy of it. Because I've got a vision. I've got a vision. It's time for us to deconstruct and reconstruct our rhythms and routines. It's time for us to open the word of God. Not only pray, but open the word of God. We don't want to have a shallow walk with God. We want depth. That's why we started this daily devotional. I believe that we need to start and end our days with Bible reading. Why? Because it's the seabed of faith and vision. And I don't mean just read through it. I mean meditate on it. Meditation is more than, than daydreaming. It's cloud seeding. Reading gets us into God's word. 
Not, not only reading the word, but adding prayer and fastening to our arsenal helps as well. Reading gets us into God's word, but meditation gets God's word into us. Dwelling on it, saying, I just know, I just look what I just read. Going to somebody and say, hey, I've been meditating on this. This is what God is getting ready to do. And did you add prayer and fasting to that? The disciples asked Jesus why they were unable to cast the evil spirit out of a child. Jesus said, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So we get the word and we read it and we pray it and we release it and we meditate. I start my day with it and I have to end my day with it. Because what you start your day with and what you close your day with is the kind of attitude you're going to have. What you dwell on, what's in your mind. And then I go into prayer and I go into fasting. Preacher, why, why, why are you so, why are you, why are you hitting on it so hard this morning? I can tell you why, this is a spiritual battle. And yet, here are the percentages of resolutions that people have promised to make. You ready? 27% of resolutions involve health and fitness, which is down from last year. 15% personal growth and interest. 15% personal finance. 9% education and training. 6% time management and organization. 5% recreation and leisure. 5% family and relationships. Can I ask you a question? Did you hear me mention any resolution concerning God? It's not there. To find anything about spirituality, you must look in the personal growth section. And there you will see in the personal growth and interest, the second most popular resolutions, only 2% in interested in becoming more spiritual. By the way, that improving one's mind and attitude is at 27% and improving one's appearance at 22%. Yet changing their spiritual makeup, only a dismal 2% in our world right now. The Barna Group, which specializes in research about Christianity, reported that only one out of seven adults, 15%, placed their faith in God at the top of their priority list. And we're wondering why vision is just dissipating, falling away. Today, God has sent me here because we've got to anoint our faith and see through the ordinary to the unseen schemes. We've got to see through the ordinary and see the unseen schemes of the enemy. Musicians, you go ahead and get ready. Don't come up. Just come sit on the front row because I'm not going to preach much longer. 2 Kings 6, 8 through 12. Now, the king of Aram was at war with Israel. And after conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such place. The man of God sent word to the king of Israel, beware of passing that place because the Armenes are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. And time and time again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. This enraged the king of Aram so much that he summoned his officers and demanded of them, tell me which of us is on the side of the king of Israel. He said, which one are you? Which one of you are a traitor? Which one of you are going and telling the king of Israel what I'm getting ready to do? And they're looking at him like, we don't know what you're talking about. None of us. My Lord, the king, said one of his officers. But Elisha, the prophet, who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. <laughs> you trying to attack the people of God. 
You're trying to capture them. You've got a plan to destroy them. But there's a man over there that doesn't see just the ordinary. He sees through the ordinary and he sees the spiritual. And he tells the king of Israel everything that you're getting ready to This Old Testament experience can serve as a symbol of what we experience in our Christian walk. In Elisha's day, there was an enemy bent on destroying God's people. But Elisha was able to see through the ordinary. God had a man who had discernment because he had a relationship with an omnipotent God. Because the Spirit reveals the deep things of God. When we spend time with God... We'll be able to tell the enemy, this is what you're getting ready to do. We'll be able to go to our brother and our sister or somebody that we met out in the world and be like, hey, man, this is what the enemy's trying to do in your life. Now, we need discernment. You know what discernment is? It's the spirit telling us what's happening. It's able, us able to discern what's good and what's evil. First John 4 and 1, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. The gift of discerning of spirits will become increasingly important as we approach the end of this age because deception will be the hallmark of these perilous times. The enemy, the enemy doesn't want to shut down the church. The enemy wants to convert the church. He doesn't want us to shut down. We're missing the point. Well, they shut us down during the pandemic. It's not about shutting down the church. The enemy wants to convert the church. The enemy wants to use our our faith and our beliefs against us. He wants to disguise himself as an angel of life and make us think, well, you can come to the house of God, but don't pray in the spirit. Don't worship like that. Just come and get a good word and leave the exact way that you came. But the gift of discerning will let me know, hey, look, it's perilous times. We don't have time just for ordinary church. We don't have time for a decent message. we got to break through some barriers today. We've got to conquer some mountains. Uh, we've got to let the enemy know that we didn't show up just to go through the motions. And the gift of discerning of spirits is not the gift of suspicion or judgment. You want me to say that again? A lot of people say, I've got discernment. No, you got suspicion and judgment. I got the gift of discernment. You know what the gift of discernment does? It edifies the body. Suspicion and judgment tears the body down. So if you give negative words, but you say it's discernment, that's not, that's suspicion and judgment. Throw that to the side. But if you can go to somebody and say, hey, the enemy's trying to attack you, but God's getting ready to bless you. I've got... It's always for edification. Building up the body of Christ. And when Elisha spoke to the king of Israel, his message could be summarized in three words. Don't go there. The enemy's trying to destroy you. The enemy's setting up camp there. You'll be in trouble if you go there. And time and time again, Elisha helped the king on guard in such places. And our enemy is in the business of setting up his camps for the purpose of ambushing us. And the message of God is still the same. We need people that have enough discernment to say, I've been with God. We're not going to go there. We're going to stand here. We're going to be victorious. God is fighting our battles. God is for us. God is on our side. And if he's for us, who can be against us? Musicians, you can come. Now, here are some places where the enemy will set up camp to attack you. And I'm going to tell you, don't go there. The desert of discouragement. 
One of the most powerful tools of the enemy is the tool of discouragement. Discouragement is a loss of confidence or enthusiasm. We no longer feel like, hey, I'm excited to go to the house of the Lord. The enemy knows if he can discourage you, he can paralyze you. And the best way to overcome discouragement is through faithfulness. Keep on keeping on. When you don't feel like it, get up. Keep all in the lamp. Anoint your faith. When you don't feel like praying, just find you, find you a place and just talk to God for a moment. Another place that I don't want you to go is the cul-de-sac of complaining. The devil would love for every Christian to spend all their time dwelling on all the ways they've been offended by others. And they offended me. They let me down. Church isn't what it used to be. And they let her sing. They let him preach. Nobody loves me. There are some people who just seem to enjoy being miserable. But when you're tempted to complain, don't go there. Because it's a trap of the devil. Count the things that you have, not the things that you don't have. And count the people that are for you and not just those that are against you. See the glass half full and not half empty. And we overcome this with just being thankful and praising God. Listen, one offense is not going to keep me from trusting and loving people and letting people into my life. It's not the will of God. The Bible says if I fall in a ditch and I don't have anybody to get me out, I'm in a bind. So you know what? I keep people around me that may offend me, but they also one day may help me. And it's, it's the will of the enemy for us to lose trust in people because a few people have hurt us. But it's not the will of God. We've got to learn to trust. We've got to learn to Give people the benefit of the doubt. Well, preacher, I'm guarded. I'm guarded too. But I don't have to be so guarded that I live in isolation the rest of my life. Because I've learned life is better with others. Life is better with others. The last plate is the interstate of indulgence. One night of sin won't hurt. One drink isn't going to bother me. One look at an image on the internet. Just this once. Missing one service. You know what the warning from God is? Don't go there. Don't go down the interstate of indulgence. It's like a Pringle. Once you pop, you can't stop. That's what sin is. That's why they're gateway drugs in the world. Because they just open the gate to something more severe. Don't go down the interstate of indulgence. Sin will take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. But Elisha said, don't go there. And today I'm determined to stand in the gap and say, don't go there. But not only did... Elisha see the tactics of the enemy. He also seen the unseen hand of God. 2 Kings 6 and 13, go find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. And the report came back, he's at Dothan. Now, I'm not going to preach on this today. I'll preach on it next week. Do you know what Dothan is? Archaeologists have found that Dothan is a place that was called Two Wells. 
They've proved that these stories happened. But Dothan is mentioned two times in scriptures. One time with Elisha and the other time is mentioned with Joseph. When he goes to check on his brothers with that coat of many colors, he goes to Dothan. And soon he went from a favorite son to a slave. But when you're a dreamer, they can't keep you down. Dothan was about 60 miles from Jerusalem. So the king of Aram sent his army to surround Dothan. It must have been quite an intimidating sight. And as you can see, Elisha's servant, he, he experiences his own version of shock and awe. 2 Kings 6 and 15. And when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. My boy says, oh no. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? COVID is back. Oh my Lord, what shall we do? We're surrounded by issues and problems. But just as Elisha was able to see the unseen schemes of the enemy, Elisha was able to see the unseen hand of God at work. And he says to his 2 Kings 6, 16 through 17, don't be afraid prophet answered those who are with us are more than those who were th- who were with them and Elisha prayed open his eyes let him see through the ordinary so that he may see and then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots all around the enemy thought he had you but he didn't realize what was surrounding you has been surrounded by the host of God let's stand the Bible calls God the Lord of hosts that name refers to his military charge over an angelic court whose job is to go up against any demonic actions that are attacking you. Listen, you may be physically strong and you might be powerful in your body, but trust me, you are no competition for the enemy. So you know what God does? In order to help us, he sends his spirit, but he also sends an angelic army to surround us. We don't pray to angels, but we release angels. Go read it. When Jesus came down after being tempted, he fell down and an angel was there to pick him up. You know what I release every day in my house? Ministering and strengthening angels. The enemy thought he had Elisha, but God was really just positioning the enemy right where he wanted him. Devil, you thought. You thought all this trouble going on around us was going to destroy us. You thought in 2021 that everything happening was going to offset the will of God. But what you didn't realize is we saw your unseen scheme, but we also saw the unseen hand of God at work. And in 2021, we baptized 100 people in the name that's above every other name. Because God has surrounded what tried to surround us. We've just got to see through the ordinary. The rest of the story is quite amazing. Elisha prays that God would strike the enemy with blindness. And then he tricks the army and leads them into Samaria, which is the capital of Israel at this time. After they arrived in Samaria, the Lord opened their eyes. And they were inside the capital of Israel in the presence of the king. And the Bible says that the bands from Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory. That moment that God opened that servant's eyes and blinded the enemy 
is what led to those people that raided Israel and took their, their blessings and their belongings and their favor away from them. After that happened with the man of God, it says that Aram never raided Israel's territory again. You know why? Because there was a man that says, I can see. And today I've come to tell the enemy we're not huddled in fear, doubt, and anxiety. We're not chattering through trembling lips or waving the white flag of surrender. No, ma'am, no, sir. I'm waving the blood-stained banner today. And I'm expecting 2022 uh, that the anointing is going to flow through this place uh, greater than it did in 2021. I'm looking through the ordinary. There's a God before us. And today those paradigms and powers and principalities are shifting. And ministries are getting ready to be restored. And victory is getting ready to happen in this place. Can you, can you see through the ordinary? Have you been to Dothan lately? Have you had problems in your marriage, problems on your job, problems in your family, problem in your, problems in your finances, problems in your health? I've got, I've got one thing to say to you today. God is not in trouble. Some of you are in crisis situations, critical times, dark days, trials of your faith, bitter circumstances. I've got one thing to say today. God is not in trouble. Some of you are going through the storms of this life, battling through some rough times, facing disappointments, down to your last ounce of strength, being tested and tried. And God has sent me here today to say, open your eyes, open your eyes, open your eyes, open your eyes. Every eye closed. I want you to shout out, God's not in trouble. I want you to say, God's working it all together for my good. I want you to say, when I feel surrounded, God's surrounding what's surrounding me. Come on, I know God is in control. He's fighting for me. He's bigger than any force that's trying to hold me back. He's bigger than negative words that were spoken over me. God has me that has me that has me God has me if your family's nearby you reach over and grab their hand because there's a challenge going forth right now you've got to see through the ordinary come on this is a recommitment service God I'm going to recommit to prayer and fasting and Bible reading Come on, I feel his anointing moving through this place right now. Open your eyes. Come on, open your eyes. 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 I'll pour out my spirit and your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall, shall see visions. Open your eyes. Open your eyes. Come on, somebody shout. Somebody let the enemy know, you will not have my family. Come on, you will not have my family. I'm battling right now. I'm refusing to let go of God's transforming power. God, I believe it right now. I believe it right now. I believe it right now. Listen to me. I'm going to close. Listen to me for one second. Listen to me for one second. I'm going to close with this. I feel it in the Holy Spirit because i got to help us. Keep holding the hand of your family. Apostle Paul writes this letter. Says, Taylor, if you could put my text back up there. For which cause we faint not, but though an outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. 
For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. God's getting ready to come back for his church. Anybody ever heard of Mount Vesuvius? Vesuvius. Anybody ever heard of Mount Vesuvius? There's a picture right there. It erupted in 79 AD and completely annihilated the cities of Pompeii and Herculaneum. What amazed archaeologists that uncovered the site was the lava from the volcano encased the bodies of the dead. And when the site was investigated, the bodies had long since been decayed. But they had a mold that was left there. And they filled these molds with plaster to tell the story of what happened during those moments when that volcano erupted and those people died. You know what they found? They found that the owners of a house were hiding their valuables in their well when they fell in and died as a volcano erupted. They found that a dog was still chained up to a fence. A woman held an infant in her arms while two young girls clung to the hem of her dress. A man was trying to pull a goat by his halter outside a city wall. Why are you worried about a goat? There's a volcano erupting. The remains of one woman were found next to a wine vat. And inside the vat were over 100 silver dishes and a thousand pieces of gold. And one of the silver cups bore this inscription. Enjoy life while you have it for tomorrow is uncertain. And the tragedy was this. The people didn't have to die. They had been warned. Ancient Roman records indicated that there were weeks of rumblings and tremors preceding the actual eruption. There were even warning clouds of smoke visible from the mountains several days before the volcano erupted. They had been warned, but they weren't bothered to be changed. Here we are. There is a heaven and there is a hell. Here we are. God is coming back. He will split those eastern skies and he will come back for his church. And here we are in perilous times in the midst of the end times. But we're stirring up earthly treasures. That moth and rust and thieves break in and steal. Jesus said, don't do that. Don't store it up. But store up, store up heavenly treasures. That that rust can't touch and that thieves can't break in and steal. And today I'm telling God, thank you for every, every blessing on my life. Thank you for every bit of favor. But I'm like Apostle Paul. I don't want to get so caught up in the temporal that I miss the eternal. Because one day he's going to look at me and he's going to say two things. He's going to say, look, depart from me, thy worker of iniquity. I never knew you. Or he's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Can you see through the ordinary today?